Hello everyone, this is Jeffrey Kerr. For my first order of business for this brand new year, I'm here with the January 2023 installment of the News of the Month series on the Kerr Reviews podcast, where I discuss a few different entertainment news stories that feel important and are interesting to me. Each of the stories you'll be hearing me talk about have been divided into four separate categories. The first set of them is about the Golden Globes. They're coming up on January 10th on NBC. Nominations were announced last month, although I'm not going to be going over them because otherwise we'd be here all day long. However, what I am going to be going over are the recipients of both honorary awards. First, there's the Cecil B. DeMille Award, which recognizes a variety of actors, directors, writers, and producers who have made a significant mark in the film industry. This year's recipient is Eddie Murphy. He's had a long career as an actor and comedian on both the big and small screens. Not to mention that Eddie Murphy also received a competitive Golden Globe once when he won Best Supporting Actor in a Motion Picture in 2006 for his performance in Dreamgirls, in addition to five other nominations. Next, there's the Carol Burnett Award, which does the same thing, mainly for those who made a significant mark in the television industry. It was first established four years ago, with Carol Burnett being the inaugural recipient. The next two were Ellen DeGeneres and Norman Lear. This year, it's going to Ryan Murphy. He's made countless contributions to the TV world throughout the 21st century as a writer, director, and producer. Many of his projects have earned Golden Globe nominations, including his recent Netflix hit, Dahmer Monster, The Jeffrey Dahmer Story, which is up for Best Miniseries TV Movie, as well as several wins. No matter who ends up winning any of the competitive categories at this year's Golden Globes, Eddie Murphy and Ryan Murphy, no relation, are the ones you can already count on to be up on stage giving acceptance speeches. This next news story is about the Tony Awards. This past month, the American Theatre Wing revealed some details regarding the 2023 ceremony honoring the best of Broadway. The eligibility cutoff date for the 2022-23 season is April 27th for all main stem productions which meet all eligibility requirements. Nominations will be announced on May 2nd. The 76th annual Tony Awards will broadcast live on June 11th on CBS and streaming live and on demand on Paramount+. Plus. Since 1997, the ceremonies have taken place at Radio City Music Hall every year, with some exceptions. In 1999, they were at Broadway's Gershwin Theatre. In 2011, 2012, and 2016, they were at the Beacon Theatre. This year, they'll be taking place from the United Palace of Cultural Arts in New York City. That's a venue I actually never heard of before prior to this announcement. From having done some research, I found that it's located in Washington Heights, not to mention that it is also the fourth largest venue in New York behind the Metropolitan Opera House, Hulu Theater, and Radio City. It should be interesting to see how this will go. Until then, that's all for now. More information on the 2023 Tony Awards will be available in the coming months. This next news story takes us from Broadway to the big screen. This past month, 
There were some updates regarding a couple of big-screen adaptations of Broadway hits. The first of them is one I've discussed in previous episodes, which would be Wicked. Principal photography on Universal's upcoming two-part adaptation has begun. Additional casting has been revealed. Among them are Ethan Slater as Buck, the Munchkin who becomes involved with Elphaba's disabled younger sister Nessa Rose in hopes of impressing Glinda. Speaking of Nessa, that character will be played by Marissa Bode. Meanwhile, Michelle Yeoh will be playing Madame Morrible, the headmistress of Shiz University, who is also the musical's antagonist. Ethan Slater earned a Tony nomination in 2018 for his performance as the title character in the SpongeBob SquarePants musical. Not to mention that he also appeared in one scene of the FX miniseries Fosse Verdon as Joel Grey, who was also Broadway's original wizard in Wicked. Slater was also actually a common fan casting choice for Buck from a number of people, including me. I know nothing about Marissa Bode other than that she is the very first real-life wheelchair user to be taking on Nessa Rose, and will probably be the only one given a certain scene in the musical that would be hard to pull off on stage with a disabled performer. Michelle Yeoh is probably having the best year of her career at the moment. A lot of that would be due to her much buzzed about performance and everything everywhere all at once. Madame Marble in the stage version doesn't have a big singing part. It's only during the intro to The Wizard and I, as well as a section of Thank Goodness. And this casting is probably a result of Yo's career being on an all-time high at the moment, coupled with the fact that she worked with director John M. Chu before on Crazy Rich Asians. So the two of them seem to have a great working relationship. Although I searched the internet to see if Michelle Yo has a singing background of any kind, and I was able to find something you can find a link to in the episode notes. In any case, this is a very interesting cast that's been assembled for the movies. Composer lyricist Stephen Schwartz said in an interview with the Schwartz scene that I think the casting choices so far are very smart. They're not necessarily whom you would expect, but when you really think about them, you're like, oh, that's a really good idea. And I felt that with the whole cast. We are now less than two years away from the release of part one. Until then, let's be patient for whatever updates may come next. In other news. After it was previously announced in 2015, Sony Pictures is continuing development on a film adaptation of *Beautiful*, the Carol King musical. For those unfamiliar, the story follows Carol King from when she was starting out writing songs for different recording artists at 1650 Broadway at just 16 years old. All the way to when she came into her own as a solo artist with the release of her classic studio album *Tapestry*. It also explores her creative and romantic relationship with Jerry Goffin, as well as their friendships and rivalry with another songwriting team, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil. The musical began performances on Broadway back in November of 2013, officially opened in January of 2014, and ran for almost six years after closing in October of 2019. I've seen the show myself twice. First in New York with Jesse Miller a couple weeks after the 2014 Tony Awards, then in September of 2015 when the national tour with Jesse's sister Abby Miller came to Durham, North Carolina. You can find a link to a review of the tour I wrote for Broadway World in the episode notes. 
For those listening who haven't seen the show, it is currently in the process of being licensed to schools and local theaters all over the world. Some of the regional theaters here in the United States are starting to produce it. So, if a production happens to be taking place in your area of residence, I'd recommend checking it out. Although you can also stream the Grammy-winning original Broadway cast recording wherever you stream music. Whatever you decide to do, please don't take a look at the song list beforehand. You'll thank me for that later. As for the movie, Tom Hanks is producing it alongside Paul Blake, the lead producer of the Broadway show. When this project was originally announced, Douglas McGrath, who wrote the book for the musical, was set to write the screenplay. Although, following his recent death back in November, that's clearly not going to be the case anymore. This past month. It was announced that Lisa Chelidenko, the Oscar-nominated filmmaker behind 2010's *The Kids Are All Right*, will be directing from a screenplay she's co-writing with Stuart Blumberg. Chelidenko also won an Emmy for helming all four episodes of HBO's acclaimed 2014 miniseries *All of Kittredge*, which was also produced by Tom Hanks. Although that's not the only update regarding this project. It was also announced that Daisy Edgar Jones is set to star as Carol King. For those unfamiliar with her, she's a young British rising star who gained wide recognition in 2020 for her starring role on the BBC miniseries titled Normal People. Since then, she had a supporting role on the Andrew Garfield-led miniseries Under the Banner of Heaven, which she is currently Golden Globe nominated for, and led a commercial hit from last year titled Where the Crawdads Sing. In response to this casting, Carol King told Variety, "Daisy has a spirit and energy that I recognized as myself when I was younger. She's a tremendous talent, and I know she's going to give a great performance." It's currently unknown if Daisy's singing will be backed up by the real Carol King, like how Rami Malek's was by the real Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody, or if she'll be doing her own singing, like Taron Egerton did all of his own singing as Elton John in Rocket Man. Hopefully, this project will get more updates sometime soon. For our final subject, I'd like to take this moment to remember four industry veterans we've lost within this past month. Actress Kirstie Alley died of cancer on December 5th at the age of 71. She was best known for her breakout role as Rebecca Howe on the long-running sitcom Cheers, which won her an Emmy. The title character on the NBC sitcom Veronica's Closet, and as Molly Jensen in the Look Who's Talking movie trilogy with John Travolta. Kirstie Alley also finished in second place on the 15th season of Dancing with the Stars back in 2012. Actress Ruth Madoc died on December 9th at the age of 79. She was best known for her role as Gladys Pugh in the BBC television comedy series Heidi High. She also played Fruma Sarah in Norman Jewison's 1971 Academy Award-winning film adaptation of Fiddler on the Roof. Ronald Dennis died on December 17th at the age of 78. An actor with four Broadway credits to his name, he was best known for originating the role of Richie in A Chorus Line. Legendary broadcast journalist Barbara Walters died on December 30th at the age of 93. She was a working journalist from 1951 up until her retirement in 2015. Walters also appeared as a host of numerous television programs over the years, which includes The Today Show, ABC Evening News, 2020, and The View. My condolences go out to all of their families. So that's just about does it for the news of this month. 
I will be back on February sixth to discuss any bit of entertainment news stories that I found interesting and/or important from January. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com/carereviewspodcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.